You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to say if you can't get past the first four words in the beginning God you might as well close the book because you're going to have problems with the rest of the book but if you can't get past the rest of it in the beginning God created the heavens and earth you'll have a real difficult time with the rest of the book our God's a big God how big is the God that you serve How, how big is your God it's important that remember especially when we pray about our small problems The story of Hezekiah requires significant faith to believe. God healed him from terminal illness, adding 15 years to his life, well before the age of modern medicine. Even more, God caused the earth itself to rotate backwards. In today's message, Pastor Dave will challenge us to ask ourselves what we believe God is capable of. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 20 as he continues his message, Beloved of God, Boaster of Self. There are all sorts of theories as to why this happened. The you know, planets aligning here and there and all this kind of stuff. It's really fascinating when you look at it. It's called the Long Night of Shennacherib. And it, so much has been written about it. And, and very, very learned men like Chuck Missler, who was a super brain, he, he wrote about it and he wrote beautiful scriptures and beautiful things about it. You can look at it. It's really great. It's, it's really a, a fascinating thing. Now, you might be saying out there, impossible. Impossible. If right now you're thinking that God can't make the sun go back, if God can't stop the day like he did in Joshua's time, if God can't do these kind of things, I need to ask you a question. How big's your God? How big is your God? If you don't think God can do this type of thing, impossible? Yes, if you got a puny little God that you created in your image. But if you cannot get through the first verse in the Bible, you're going to have a problem with everything else. Remember the first verse of the Bible? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Well, I like to say if you can't get past the first four words in the beginning, God, you might as well close the book because you're going to have problems with the rest of the book. But if you can't get past the rest of it in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth you'll have a real difficult time with the rest of the book. Our God's a big God. How big is the God that you serve? How how big is your God? It's important that remember, especially when we pray about our small problems. In Acts 4, in Acts 4, there is this incredible story about Peter and John being beaten and thrown out of the Sanhedrin and told never to pray in that name again, the name of Jesus, because they had healed the blind man at the gate beautiful. And Peter and John, you know, they finally got back to the gang in in chapter 4, and they were all together. And just let me read a few things. Beginning of verse 23, they, they, they let go, they get back, 
It says in verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And the chief priest basically had said, You can't preach in the name of Jesus. You can't mention that name. And then, you know, Peter had said, Whether it's right to do the things of God or to do the things of men, you be the judge. And says, so in verse 24, so when they heard that, what did they do? They raised their voice to God with one accord and said, listen to how they prayed. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? And the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Oh, I love that. Coming to the Lord in earnest prayer, knowing that the Lord is capable of doing anything. I mean, I know you guys. You guys are Bible students, and many of you will quote to me sometimes, well, you know, nothing's impossible with God. All things are possible with God. And you say those things a lot. Do you mean that? Some of you say, all things are possible with God except the thing I'm going through. What I'm going through is horrible and God can't do it. But he can do everything else. Oh my God's great. What? God can do all things. God is an awesome creator of the universe. And when you read that Genesis account, when you read that Genesis account, the Greek, the, excuse me, the, the Hebrew word for created is bara, which means he created it out of nothing. There was nothing there and he created it. So how big is your God? How big is your God? Compared to the problem you may be facing today, and I'm not minimizing a problem, but God is greater than that. And if we look on him as greater than our problems, we're going to get along a lot better and easier. Hezekiah, one of the signs. God gave him a sign. The sundial, actually the shadow of the sundial went backwards. Went backwards. Do you realize the ramifications of this? Think of it. This was a miraculous sign from God. It assured the king that God was telling the truth. It assured the king that his promises are all true. In fact, we know from Scripture that all his promises are what? Yes and amen. So, so they knew this. The shadow of the, of, the, of the sundial, the large sundial on the steps of, of Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, went backwards 10 degrees. Wow. Incredible. An incredible, incredible thing. Study it. Look it up. I like what one commentator said this, quote, God does not explain his miracles, and it is unwise for us to do it for him, unquote. So we accept by faith that God's word is true. We accept by faith that God's word is true. We know that God disciplines those he loves. His chastening is not a work of a stern judge punishing a criminal. 
It's chastening. It's a ministry of a loving father who seeks to bring out the very best in his children as we're being conformed to his image. If this sickness had come to Hezekiah from the Lord and then he relented and took the illness back and healed him, he was disciplining his son, disciplining those who he loves. He was helping him to understand that God is good and great and awesome in power. And he's long-suffering because he's suffering a long time with Hezekiah. Hezekiah is healed. Hezekiah is healed of his malady, and word goes out throughout the world. And a couple people come to see him. He gets some visitors come to see him. And you would think, you would think that if you were that blessed by the Lord, you would be walking in such wonder and such gloriousness and such awesomeness that you wouldn't fall. Think again. Remember the title of the message? Hezekiah, blessed of God, boaster of self. Well, he gets some visitors from Babylon. Let's read 12 and 13. Chapter 20, 12 and 13. At that time, Barak Baladan, the son of Baladan, the king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of the treasury, silver and gold, the spices and the precious ornaments and all his army, all that was found among the treasuries. There was nothing in the house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah didn't show them. All right. So this guy, this adversary comes and his name is Baladin. If you put a P there, he'd be Paladin. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry, folks, but that's where my mind goes. You know me. Come on. Anyhow, Paladin comes to see them, right? And these were emissaries from Babylon. And when they heard that Hezekiah was, had recovered from his illness, they came and said, well, we're glad that you're well. And Hezekiah, you know, said, hey, guys, let me show you around. And he took them to the treasury, and he showed them all the treasuries and the silver and gold that was in the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the land. And he's showing them this and showing them that. He becomes a boaster. He's boasting about it. He says, look, look at all this. I have this. Look what I got. Aren't I great? Look at this money. Look at all these things I have. Now, boasting can bring some problems. And here, Hezekiah is in full pride mode. He is busting like a banny rooster. He's just sitting there, boy. He's got his chest out and said, look what I got. Look at all these things I got. I'm cool. Look at this. He had an illness and a near-death experience, and he was humbled for a time. But then these guys come here, and he pumps it up. His chest is sticking out, and he's walking around, man. And he's showing these guys. These guys from Babylon had an agenda. They wanted to scope out the riches of the kingdom of Judah, and then they wanted to ask Hezekiah to join forces with them against the, against the Assyrians. They brought expensive gifts and personal letters, they were trying to impress Hezekiah, and he fell for it. According to 2 Chronicles 32, they were using these teas to inflate Hezekiah's ego. They were saying things like, oh, you're a mighty king. Oh, you're a great guy. Look how wealthy you are. You must be doing something right. You're really a cool guy, really feeding his ego. They were setting him up for the kill, but he was feeding right into it. His ego was soaring, man. Hezekiah gives these guys a grand tour. 
He shows them everything they had. Hezekiah forgot one thing. Everything he had been given, he had gotten from the Lord. Everything that Hezekiah had gotten, he had gotten from the Lord. And how can he possibly boast? Hezekiah faced and he even failed this. He failed under this temptation, which is common, especially in ministry. This can be a common temptation. It's called the temptation of success. Many men who stand strong against the temptations of failure and weakness fall to the temptations of success and strength. Think about Hezekiah. He was godly. He had been victorious. He had been healed. He experienced a miracle. He had been promised long life. He had a connection to a fantastic prophet. He had seen a remarkable sign. The sun went backwards. He was incredibly wealthy. And he was famous. He was well known the world renowned. He was praised and honored by people. And he was honored by God himself. But he sinned greatly after this great gift. Even of 15 more years, he sinned. Even with the knowledge that Jerusalem was going to be delivered, he sinned. Pride. He was proud the way he honored the Babylonians. He didn't have proper gratitude towards God. He took honor himself and didn't give any glory to God. He abused the gifts that were given to him, where he took the gifts and favors to his own gratification and his own lust. It says that in 2 Chronicles. He had carnal confidence because he trusted in the league that he made. I'm going to trust because I'm going to trust in Babylonian. We're going to make a deal. You and I will come against these Assyrians. He trusted in that instead of trusting in God. See how fast he falls? He missed an opportunity. He had a great opportunity to testify to the Babylonians about the greatness of God in the Lord. The blessing that Judah had gotten. Instead, he glorified himself. It's a scary place to be, folks. It's an extremely scary place to be. Boasting on oneself, boasting in the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, boasting in these things, not giving glory to God when, when he, God deserves hit the glory for all things, everything I have, I have from God. The next breath I have, I take from God. The next time my heart beat, it's from God. My goodness. Dare I possibly say anything that I did could possibly be worth anything? That's not what Paul did. In Ephesians 6.14, you guys in Monday night will get to that probably in 2030. But in Ephesians, in Galatians 6.14, Paul says, But God forbid that I boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Paul wouldn't boast in anything. Paul called himself the least of the apostles. Would not boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. What do we have to boast about? I have a salvation and eternal life with God, the creator of the universe, that I didn't earn. It was a gift. I did nothing for it. He gladly gave it to me. And by some freak of chance, I was able to utter the words, I want you, Jesus. He gave me the ability to even do that. Forbid it, Lord, for me to boast in anything save the death of my Savior, Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should glory in anything, not in the work that God has done through me, not in the work that I have done by myself, not in anything but God, 
is the one who gets all glory and praise. Pride takes a person down like a rock in a stream. Takes a person down like a rock. Look what it did to Satan. Angel of the Lord. Good angel. Fell because of pride. And now he takes that and he uses it as his cheap weapon against us. Pride. So easily we fall. He committed to pride. The, the sin of pride was thrown out of heaven. Pride makes us rob God of the glory that belongs to him and him alone. Pride gives us a feeling of false security. And it leads us into the sin and defeat that so easily ensnares us and tears us down. In fact, I like this quote from William Barclay. Quote, Pride is the ground in which all other sins grow, the parent from which all other sins come. Wow. Wow. Hezekiah got lifted up, got pride, even after God had done all those things for him. He had lost his humility. Let's read 14 through 18. Then Hezekiah the prophet went to the king, I mean, excuse me, Isaiah the prophet, went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came from a far country from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that there is in my house, and there is nothing among my treasury that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word from the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Wow. Oops. Little late to think about that, Hezekiah. Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, What was these guys? Where'd they come from? Oh, they came from Babylon. What do they want? Well, they wanted to honor me and tell me I'm a great guy. So I showed them everything we had. I showed them where the money was. I showed them where the women were. I showed them where the food was. I showed them all the things. I showed them everything. There wasn't anything that I had that I didn't show them. I can imagine Isaiah looked at him and go, Why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you come to me first? All those treasuries that you had, all that stuff that you accumulated, all those things, even your sons that you will beget, even all those things that you had are going to be carried away. They're going to be carried away to Babylon and they're going to be held captive by these Babylonians who you tempted because they saw all the treasuries that you had. Isaiah must have really known the future that was happening because you read about his prophecy in Isaiah 13 and 14 when he prophesied about the Babylonian captivity. And look what, look what Hezekiah says in verse 19. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, Will there be peace and truth in my last days? It's almost like, well, that's great. It's not going to happen when I'm around. <laughs> a swell guy. Was this a sigh of relief or an acceptance of God's will? We do read in 2 Chronicles 32 again that Hezekiah's pride had once again been broken, but for the sake of the nation and the throne of David, Hezekiah 
was grateful for the peace that would come. And we also know that a century later, long after the death of Hezekiah, the Babylonians came to Jerusalem. They destroyed it completely. They destroyed the temple, and they carried away the kingdom of Judah, and they kept them for 70 years. 70 years. Let's finish up. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his might, and how he made a pool and a tunnel and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, that Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. First of all, let me say that the tunnel, the tunnel, the tunnel that Hezekiah made is there today. You can see it, and when we go to Israel, you can walk through it. There's two ways you can go. You all go down one road, and then one road leads into the tunnel where there's actual water, and they said the water's about this high. Or you can go through the other way where there isn't any water. It all comes out to the same place. It comes out to the pool of Siloam in the city of David. When we were there, I walked through there, but chickened out with the water and went to the dry one. But a lot of people walked through that water, and we met them. They came out on the other side. We got to the pool of Siloam a lot earlier, but you can do that. It's about 650 yards long, and they drilled through solid rock. What a feat this was. This was a natural feat today, and it's still there, and you can walk through it, and you can be right at the pool of Siloam. Really cool. It's really, really neat. The Lord had been long-suffering with Hezekiah. And there's no doubt that Hezekiah started out a house of fire, a godly king, a good king, a reformer who did all things good in the sight of the Lord. And he was, during his reign, he was one of outstanding godliness, it says in 2 Kings 18, 3 and 7. Yet his beginning was so much better than his end. He did not finish well. Even though God gave him a gift of 15 more years, the, the years added to us didn't make him any better. It didn't make him a more godly man. Three years into that 15 years, three years into that 15 years, Hezekiah had a son who would be his heir. His name, Manasseh. We're going to study about him on chapter 21. Manasseh becomes one of the, if not the most wicked kings in the history of Judah. So the question is, had Hezekiah relinquished and gone with the Lord when the Lord called him, Manasseh would not have been born and somebody else would have taken the throne and we wouldn't have had such a wicked king. I don't know, but it was all God's will anyhow. He continued to work it out for the good of the nation. Why? Because of David. Because of David. God had made a promise to David that through his seed, one would come who would be a ruler and who would sit on the throne forever. And his name is Jesus Christ. So for that namesake alone, God made sure that there always was a line leading to that. Interesting man, Hezekiah. You are a sure. 
You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AsureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Show.